BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. I remember we went through a fast food restaurant. I think it was McDonald's. And he was like, Jesus, I've never been to a McDonald's in so long. And I'm like, oh, I just, I just love their hamburgers and cheeseburgers. And their diet, for some reason, their fountain drinks, like their Diet Cokes. The, the Diet Cokes are the best. It tastes so good there. What is it? I don't know. Glad you guys have your headphones on. Get out your snow plows because it is a it is a dark winter here in Iron Lake. And we are moving into episode three of our podcast, Fanatics, the Dexter episodes, episode three of Dexter New Blood. It's a big one today, guys. I'm one of your co-hosts. Yes, Teddy Reed. Newbie cop himself, David Magadoff. And with me, as always, is my most wonderful co-host, Claire Kramer. Hi, Claire. Hi, David. Hi, Teddy. I almost can't tell you guys apart anymore. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's good. That means I'm either a fantastic actor or uh, we need to talk more. We just need to figure out uh, <laughs> our lines of communication because I am I'm just a person. I'm just a person with a mustache. That's all I am. Claire, uh, this was a great episode, but before we get into this, before we get on the fact that Jamie Chung is going to be on later to talk about her love of fast food, there's so much. We have on a special guest today, don't we? Yes, we do. This is Sandy Bookstaver, our director, Fearless, episodes three, four, seven, and eight. Am I correct, Sandy? You are correct. Hello, everybody. How are you? Delightful. Um, and uh, Sandy, you directed this episode. This was the this was the first one. Now, everything was sort of out of order in the way that we shot the show, right? Everything kind of we do an episode one one day, an episode six one day. Remind me. <laughs> it's been so long and it was so cold. Was episode three where you actually began? No, I actually began with episode seven. Uh, it was my first scene with Dexter, Michael C. Hall in a snowy field full of sheep. Um, I, I cannot say any more than that. Please don't, because I'm I, I, loving... I <laughs> lo first of all, I am absolutely loving Dexter New Blood. And before we even talk about episode three or seven or four or eight, I'm curious, Sandy, because I'm really loving the titles of the episodes, you know, and episode three, Smoke Signals. Did you get any part of like titling your episodes that you directed? No, I got zero input into the titles. Um we got the scripts actually before we started filming. Like they're all 10 episodes written with all the titles and we got them one by one. So I never had a choice, which was great. So it was exciting right. to read no pressure the titles. for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, not at all. All right. So I don't know, David, I, I loved episode three. Where do we start with it? Where do you want to start? Well, I'll start with just some like a kind of a general thought. Watching them from a fan's perspective it was really cool, and I'm glad you're here, Sandy. It was cool to see it was a different look and feel than episodes one and two of what Marco Siega did. You know, you enjoy close-ups a little bit more. He enjoys a little more wide shots. Um, this is what I saw, at least. So you can tell me if I'm wrong. You just have a texture to yours. I feel like there's a bit more of like a, of a scenic sort of 
haze look to Marcos's. For you, I felt like you get right in people's faces. And I don't know if it was just maybe the silliness that you got to have in your episode of Deb being in different costumes and Deb taking on characters and Deb giving us that amazing Fargo moment. But there's like an intimacy that you bring. The fun thing about Marcos and I doing this show together is we did it as a 10-hour movie. So there were only two directors. We sat down and talked about the whole style of all 10 episodes. And one thing that was great about Marcos, who's also an executive producer, was he said, go be a filmmaker. Go do your own thing. Like shoot it like your own movie within the context of the 10 hours. And for me, um, I really wanted to get personal with these characters in this episode. And they're so we're going so much deeper into their stories. So that's why there kind of was an intimacy and more close-ups to kind of show what they were going through and really get involved with the storyline that was getting deeper from episode two. Um, it's funny though, because I really do like to do wide shots as well and make it look like a big cinematic movie. So they're kind of sprinkled in there as well. Oh, you do that with that scene when he's walking in. I remember being there that day where you really, like you opened up the roof. You opened up the ceiling in the Iron Lake PD and it was the shot of when Michael is walking through the police station and he has that line of like, I'm going to be taken down by three small town cops and a zoologist and we're looking over at him. And then you all three look at him when he comes in the room. Yeah. We spent two and a half weeks planning that shot. My cinematographer, Michael Watson, and I uh, came up with this idea to rip the roof off the whole set and build this giant scaffolding that was about 50 feet long and put a crane on top of it and follow Michael. And we painted the beams in the ceiling so you could actually shoot those as well. I was very inspired by Taxi Driver, I have to be honest. It was my like Taxi Driver moment. But I wanted to isolate Dexter in this moment where he's being called into the conference room, possibly being caught for something he did. So it's almost like God's point of view. He's being watched as we follow him into that conference room, not knowing what his fate's going to be. Yeah, I love that moment. And that to me, Dexter, the you know, Jim Lindsay or Dexter Morgan or Michael C. Hall in this episode, it was kind of like an oh shit episode for him, you know, <laughs> because he kept having to think about where he's going to move the body. He kept having to think about what he's going to do to cover up his tracks. He's out of practice. We discussed that last week, David. You know, there there's a lot going on with him. But really, to me, the episode was about his son, Harrison, and finding out more uh, what's going on like psychologically, mentally with Harrison. Jack is such a great actor. How was it working with him? And is he kind of like an old soul in a young body? Yeah, it's funny. The first time I met Michael C. Hall was during pre-production on a Zoom. And I was actually sleeping in bed. I woke up. I got a text saying, get on Zoom right now. We're doing a casting meeting. I was like, oh, shit. So I flip on Zoom. And Michael C. Hall is staring me in the face. And I've never met him. And I'm like, my hair's up to here. I just got out of bed. I'm like, oh, hi, Michael. So nice to meet you. He's like, well, we're doing a casting session to pick Harrison. It was between two actors. And when we started talking about Jack Alcott, everybody was like, what is your opinion about this kid? And I said, it's all in his eyes. His eyes tell the deepest story about the backstory of what he has gone through in his life what Harrison is dealing with now. And this kid, Jack Alco is not a kid. He's 24 was telling such a story just with the look on his eyes and his face. And he was such an old soul. I was like, this is the clear choice for this character. He's amazing. And I will tell you this, which, you know, you see pictures of the actors, Michael and Jack, you know, just randomly, not necessarily together, but the way that they come across on the screen. And I noticed this in episode two, especially that they look almost identical. (laughs) Like they really, the way that hair and makeup has done their hair, where it's like the exact same hairstyle. I don't know if that was, I'm sure it was a choice. It really is working for me. And it's really working that we're starting to see Harrison's like, I don't, I don't think he's going to end up having a dark passenger, but I do think that he has a darker side. I don't know. I know. I wish I knew the answer. I know you guys both know, and I'm sitting here hypothesizing. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's weird. I, w- I wish I had seen all the episodes and knew the answer to that and read the scripts. Yeah. If I did, if I did, I would have told you. Yeah. No, yeah. it was very it was very deliberate to keep their hairstyles the same. Uh, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll notice their mannerisms become the same as well. Mm-hmm. The way they eat food, sometimes in the cadence of how they speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
It was all very deliberate. And it was also between Michael Hall and Jack Alcott, you know, who worked so well together. Yeah, that that relationship is really working for me. Now, uh, let's talk about Deb. You know, it was a Deb episode as well because she's making these appearances. It was jarring to me when I saw her come in as the school, you know, uh, principal. (laughs) I'm like, wait, what is going on? Because she's wearing, and I'm like, oh my gosh. She actually had a big arc in this episode, I thought, from the Deb of episode one and two is like, what the fuck are you doing? You're fucking everything up. You know, start of this episode, that was still the Deb we were seeing. By the end, she's helping him. So Deb's journey is... That is evolving and she's going to take on, you know, instead of so much Dexter's voice of reason as Harry was in the original series, there's something different about the partnership that's developing between the siblings. I don't know. David? Well, I... I, (laughs) That will unfurl as it goes, but I always like asking Claire as we are... Still don't know who the killer is. Claire, what's our take after watching this episode? Do you have guesses? Of course, Sandy and I will not say uh, contractually, but is there, Uh. you know, we know that the car stopped with uh, Johnny Sequoia, a.k.a. Audrey, and it was that billionaire. He came out. He checked in on her. We saw, obviously, in this episode, uh, the demise of our young woman who was trapped in, yes, Mr. Olson, the demise of our young woman who was being trapped in that uh, that room. So any more guesses as to who potentially it could be? Well, okay. Yes, I do. But I'm going to go back for just a minute because, you know, we did also learn about, you know, Johnny's character a lot. We learned who Iris is also, I feel. So Mr. Olson, he had a really interesting line when he stopped and talked. You know, he said, like, he said, you know, it's interesting you're saying all these things to me, but here you are driving this gas guzzler car. Some people might think that's um, hypocritical, but I don't I don't think so. I don't think it's hypocritical. People are complicated. So I feel like that was a carrot dangled to, like, maybe make you think, ooh, maybe he could be the killer. I don't think it's him. My own opinion, it's not him because later in the episode when we do get a better look at whom is behind that white mask, we see a little bit of a thicker person than plays Mr. Olson. Um, and a little, I don't know, a little, a little bit just different features. So I, I, I've ruled out him. I'm sorry, David, I have ruled out you as well. Fair <laughs> um, enough. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking that it could be, you know, our friend Kurt Caldwell. So I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know. He seemed at the end of the episode, he was very happy. He spoke to Matt on the FaceTime. So clearly he clearly his son's alive and all is well, right? True. Well, if neither since neither of you can really <laughs> say too much, let me just throw another thought out here. Um so we see obviously Kurt Caldwell coming out of the bar. He's elated. He's also inebriated. He tells Dexter, Hey, I just FaceTimed with my son. Dexter's obviously clearly confused. The crazy thing is like the ashes from his son are falling down at that moment. But to me, the reason I'm hypothesizing that he is the killer is because if he is the killer, he expressed his dark passenger. He got that like relief and that sense of like, you know, that taking that breath, you know, and as Dexter says in this episode, you know, maybe the problem isn't that I kill people. Maybe the problem is that I don't, you know? And so maybe Kurt had a release from killing our poor kidnapped girl, which the music choices were phenomenal in this episode. I have to say, Sandy, so well done on you. Thank you very much. And that is where I'm going to just leave that thought out there, that he had he released his dark passenger. Now he's feeling good. Doesn't really have to do with his son, that scene. It has to do with more like, I got a moment, and now I'm not having to like completely mask whom I am. It's a very, it's a very good theory. I can't say anything about. But yes. <laughs> good, good thoughts. But good what thoughts. you can say something about is two of my favorite moments of this episode, uh, Sandy, not me falling down from the dogs, although I'm so glad we got to keep that. That was an improv moment. We should, we should talk about that for a second. Well, sure. Go for it. I have, I have something. I wanted to talk about Dexter dancing in the forest uh, with uh, trying Ooh. to create a scent. But anyway. Let, let, let's, no, I want to talk about that too, but. Yeah. You know, one of the things about working with David Magadoff is he loves improv and he loves trying things. I'm one of these directors that's all about collaborating with my actors and making it fun and making it artistic. And we're sitting here with all these search dogs and David, who I'd never worked with before, comes up to me and says, hey, I have this idea. Uh, 
when the dog, you know, I go, hey, little fella. And then I fall to the ground when this dog's barking at me. And I think it's one of the best comedic moments of the episode. I'm really glad we it's did really it. It's really good. Thanks. It was, uh, well, Sandy, you know, likewise, the mutual admiration to have a director who's open to those things. That's all an actor wants. So all the love, all the love. Um, so I loved, it's maybe my favorite visual of the first three episodes of him with the song dancing. It's a dance. I'm calling it a dance. It's a choreography of him in the forest trying to create a scent for the dogs to keep them off the trail with a part of Matt's. I think it's part of Matt's uh, clothing. Now, you as a director, in that moment, do you get to just craft that moment as you saw fit? Or was that collaborated on? Because it was such a, a poignant and beautiful moment to see Dexter doing what he does as, as almost art and not just as uh, you know a guy trying to cover his tracks. It was a combination of two things. Um, I spent two weeks storyboarding that sequence from the moment of him checking on Harrison, make sure he's asleep, to digging up the vest, to moving through the woods. And uh, the idea was to be a dance. But when we got to set, Michael C. Hall, who I, I didn't direct the original Dexter, so I was very new to having a relationship with him. He comes to set and he goes, this is my crime scene. Like Damien, who's the CSI tech who shows up, he's becoming the CSI tech walking through this crime scene. And Michael goes, I'm fucking taking back my crime scene. Mm. This, is Dex this is Dexter's crime scene. So let's make it like a bullfighter in a ring or a boxer in a ring. Cause it's surrounded by police crime tape. So it was a combination of my idea of this dance of the vest and Michael's idea of being this boxer or bullfighter in the ring, taking back his crime scene. Uh, there's one shot that was cut out of the show um, where Dexter actually stops and he pauses and he takes this breath and kind of really has a release of I've taken this back. It's mine. Cool. Uh, I think for time it got cut, but that was the intention of that, of that moment. And we tried, I think 20 pieces of music over that to try to find the right one. I mean, everything from like Radiohead to the Rolling Stones to pieces of classical music. And then we found this Leonard Cohen piece avalanche and it just spoke to the scene and made it haunting and emotional and, and beautiful and made it a dance. It was the perfect music. Thank you. Yeah, it, 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 it was great. It was a, it was a great moment. Uh, speaking of great moments, then we also have on today's guest who enters in with her little rock and roll moment and her giant stilettos in the, or Manalo Blancs. Did I say that right? Is that it? Is that the Mano right shoe? Manolo Blonics. Manolo Blonics. <laughs> I shouldn't say how much they were, but they were like $2,200 suede wow. boots to introduce her walking through the snow. I know. Jamie I'm Chung, like, she's everybody. wearing those in the snow. I hope she yeah. treated those. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. But that was like the great character moment of you see these boots and who's wearing these incredible boots walking in the snow. And then it's the great Jamie Chung. Well, I got to work with her, obviously, over time, but you got to direct her. I want to start saying all these wonderful things about Jamie, but I kind of want it to be from you. Sandy, what was it like working with Jamie Chung since this is her episode? Well, it's so interesting because um, as a director, one of the first things you have to do is gain the trust of the actor you're working with. And unless you've directed that actor or actress many times beforehand and you have a shorthand, I'd never worked with Jamie. The second she showed up on the set, she was the nicest most generous collaborative actress ever. I mean, she literally was like, hi, I'm Jamie. How's it going? Um, what do you want me to do? And be like, great. Can you try this? Yeah, sure. No problem. What do you want to do this take? Great. No problem. What do you want this take? Great. And she was just so lovely and so pleasant and would try any direction. Same thing as you and I, David, we would try improv moments. Um, there's a great moment when she first meets Alano, the character Logan, she's walking up to him. She trips and she actually falls into his arms. Uh, I think it was cut out of the episode, but it was. It was, but I was. I remember Jamie. being there, and it and it happened, and it was this great moment where, yeah, she just like fell into him, like, oh, oops, oopsie, you know. <laughs> but she she was so yeah, she was so fun uh, and so improvy. And the thing is, we we did this project for seven months together in the snow of Massachusetts, and she was pleasant the entire shoot. Like there was never one moment when she was in a bad mood or down or not collaborative. Like I would work with her on anything forever. 
Claire, as someone who, you know, we knew Jamie from being on set. When she came on to the scene as Molly Park, the new podcaster, Mm -hmm. what were you thinking with her? Were you like, oh, this is fun. This new person who's out from, you know, from outside the Iron Lake or what were were the Claire fan thoughts on? on Well, I mean, I love that we're introducing like a true crime aspect to like (laughs) a show with America's favorite serial killer on it, you know, and I'm wondering what she, maybe she is going to be, maybe Molly is the one who finally breaks and, you know, exposes Dexter for, you know, who he really is. I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen, but I definitely think there's going to be a fun, interesting dynamic between, you know, her own, you know, sleuthing as a true crime podcaster versus um, Damien, the you know, the tech who came in who was very good and obviously very proficient at his job. I think the two of them, if Damien stays on the show, I'm not sure, but I definitely think the Molly character adds a new element to what Dexter is going to have to hide. It's we'll we'll all find out soon enough. We'll find out what happens with Harrison and Ethan, his new friend who thinks he's the Punisher and wants to kill Zach and Scott. There is so much happening. Oh, one more thing about Harrison, the the insight into him today that resonated with me was in, you know, Ethan says like, why, why did, why did you do that for me? And, and he says, cause guys like Matt shouldn't always be at the top of the food chain. To me, that's the most Harrison thing that's been said so far, the most revealing of his character. And that is, uh, you know, some great insight and intel. Yeah. It's a, it's a big moment for him to understand the backstory of his character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to give you guys one tidbit about those high school scenes. So that's okay. Also. Yes. Yes. My daughter Avalon, my 16 year old is in all of the high school scenes. <gasps> yes. And she was on set. I, I remember meeting her sweetest uh, girl in the world, your daughter. And I caught her in every moment, Sandy. She's featured lovely. She even gets splat. She gets blood on her. Doesn't she? She does. She gets, uh, can oh, I talk about this scene yet or no? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's a scene where, you know, Deb has this like Fargo moment where she's dumping body parts into a wood chipper and we wanted three teenage kids getting sprayed and I wanted them to be concentrating on their phones. They don't even notice this. Um, but my daughter came out to Massachusetts for two weeks. I'm like, Hey, do you want to be sprayed by blood and guts on Dexter? She's like, yes. I would love to. So it's actually two other crew members, daughters, uh, Tom, my camera operator, and Eric, my production designer's daughter. So our three kids are getting sprayed by blood, which was fantastic. That is awesome. It was a great scene, by the way. Baptism by blood. Also, the blood in traditional Dexter fashion was disgusting and gross and perfectly like coagulated, like it was a part of a body that came on the windshield. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to have Dexter then sort of break that fourth wall and be like, this is a Fargo moment, you know, that was pretty classic yeah it was very well done sandy bookstaver is here with us so excited to uh have you on sandy so excited to see more of your episodes sandy you and i became such good friends this is an absolute pleasure this is all very meta for me to do this um obviously you can check out all of sandy's work he's done jessica jones chicago fire white collar and you got three more episodes of sandy in dexter new blood very exciting and now let's jump into jamie chung yes you know jamie of course from dexter new blood lovecraft country sherwood the gifted gotham believe and so much more. Uh, are you ready to go a little fast with her with her fast food? I am. Let's enjoy. And stick around after the credits because not only do we have our little ukulele song, but we also asked director Sandy Bookstaver what he's a fanatic of. Okay, first question. Do you have to go inside or is it always a drive-through or is it a combo of both? It really depends on where I'm going. If I'm on a road trip, generally I will scope out a Taco Bell drive-thru. If I'm in Los Angeles, there's a couple of Popeye's locations that don't have a drive-thru. And if I'm back in San Francisco, if I really want to go, you know, all out, um, there's a really fancy Taco Bell on the beach in Pacifica. Wow. And it's famous and it's been around forever and that's the place that you know, my parents would take me and, you know, that would be our treat was Taco Bell on the beach. I love how you have a place, you have a, a fast food joint per location. Amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
No, but that's part of the lore, right? Okay, so tell me about the first time your parents took you to the Taco Bell in San Francisco. What is your first memory of going there with them? And what was that experience like for you? Man, I just remember, you know, San Francisco is pretty foggy, and so you don't really have a lot of sunny days. And when you do have a sunny day, you're like, this is wonderful. And when I was a little kid, I remember that my parents took us to this Taco Bell. It's actually in Pacifica, which is near San Francisco. It's really close to our house, and it's right on the beach. And you would see surfers go out, and there's a big sign on the door that says, no shirt, no shoes, no surface. But as soon as you open the door, you see sand just everywhere. And you would take your tacos and you take your sauces and your soft drink and you go right on the beach and like have a little picnic. And it was really fun. And that was kind of my like first memory at the amazing Taco Bell. So that, would you say this began why you love fast food? Well, I think it was just out of necessity, right? My parents were both working class. They're from you know, a lower socioeconomic uh, group. And so they weren't around all the time. And so they would give us like $2 each after school. My sister and I would walk ourselves home. You know, we would get our dinner for the evening, which, you know, within the seven mile radius, walking distance is the KFC or McDonald's. We would get our dinner and then we walk ourselves home, you know? So it was really, it was truly out of necessity and survival. But now it's just you know, something so nostalgic. Like it just reminds me of my childhood. And I can distinctly remember when I first tried a Whopper, like a Whopper Ooh. Junior, also in Pacifica, because we like Do you remember how old you were? Were you, were you, were you, did, was, you, did mom just give it to you? Or did you point at that and go like, Whopper, no, that sounds fun. I'm, I was pretty young. I think they're, you know, just like working parents and, you know, we didn't have a ton of money. And so- you know, they would take us through the McDonald's drive-thru and get us the Happy Meals. And that was kind of like two for one. We got a meal and we got our toy, you know? So yeah, it it's it's kind of sad, but also not really. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's, no still, it's, it's, still, a happy, it's a happy, it's a happy meal. Story. It's, it's a, a happy, happy meal. meal. It's not a okay. sad meal. It's a happy meal. It's a happy <laughs> meal. But, but okay, let's go back because I feel like there's a debate at, you know, you're fanatical about let's just say fast food. Yeah. And I feel like there's a bit of a debate. How do you, Jamie, how do you define fast food? Fast food is relatively quick. It's something that you <laughs> can sense. get within, I would say two minutes, which is pretty fast. <laughs> pretty so fast. So not Chipotle. Chipotle is off no, the table. No, Chipotle is not fast food. It takes forever. Like you're like, you can just go to like a regular burrito place and like it's a, you know, it's a assembly line and they, and they can do it for you. It's pretty quick, but it's not fast. Okay, what about, and this isn't going to be us like firing restaurants at you <laughs> for you to define, but I do have a couple I want to ask. El Pollo Loco. Fast food restaurant. Yes, it that is, is a fast food restaurant. Subway. Subway. Mm, no, because there's no drive-thru. You have to like go in and then like order what you want. Agreed. Unless you put the order in beforehand and you run in and you grab it and you're out. Like it's all about saving time, right? Last question. Last rapid fire restaurant category question. Dairy Queen. I, d I didn't grow up with Dairy Queen because um, oh, I'm, a, I'm a West Coast yeah. girl. Yeah, it's not yeah. West Coast. We'll talk about DQ in another episode. But El Pollo Loco. <laughs> no, I think this is, this. I hope we keep thinking of other restaurants because it is fun to define what it is because it's fun to be with an aficionado like yourself, a sommelier, dare we say, <laughs> uh, of, the greasy, of the greasy spoon. So is El Pollo Loco, though, fast food? Because it probably takes a good three to four minutes, which... Or are you like, you know what, I'll no. give it up, go up to five because well, they have to wrap the burrito. No, El Pollo Loco is fast food. They have a okay. drive through that's that was kind of my um, fast food of choice when I was in college in Riverside. Mm. Mm -hmm. So do you still today as an adult, do you prefer the drive through or will you go inside? There's or something about eating in your car that brings me so much joy. <laughs> Oh God! I always re I always regret doing it. Yeah, but you know, at the time, it seems like a really good idea. So shooting Dexter, we'd had some pretty late nights, and I remember driving home, and I would go to 
I went to McDonald's and Wendy's drive-thrus for the first time in years mm-hmm. at night because I said to myself, I get to make bad choices. It's like 11 p.m. at night. They're open. It's close by. I'm doing this. I don't feel bad about myself. Are you doing these drive-thrus with other people like your husband and friends or is it typically a solo adventure? No. I mean, usually on road trips, I am doing this with my husband because we took a road trip from most recently during the pandemic from New York to Los Angeles. So we did a lot of drive-thrus. And, you know, when I was driving from New York to Massachusetts for Dexter, I was also doing drive-thrus. So it's it, it can be a solo or, you know, a party activity. <laughs> um, and, you know, I feel like what, what I... Uh, what I was seeking out, because I'm trying not to eat a lot of beef these days, was the Impossible Burger at Burger King. So mm-hmm. quite often, you know, from that trip from Massachusetts to New York, I was going a little, you know, a little off off course in order to get my Impossible Whopper fix. But, you know, in high school, it was like an event. Like, we're from San Francisco. We got stoned. We, like, go to, like, a jack-in-the-box you know, a fast food restaurant and get the two for one tacos, which are like so greasy. It's the shell is see-through. It's so greasy. But it's so greasy. The shell see-through. It's so (laughs) good. And the hot sauce. mm, I mean, I can just go on about the different hot sauces in all the different fast food restaurants. And this is the time. (laughs) So I'm obsessed with the McDonald's spicy mustard. The mm. hot mustard f- to dip fries in. That I is like did my. I not even know they had spicy mustard. They have a hot mustard sauce that they serve. It's supposed to be with the nuggets. You know what I mean? But I always get oh. a quarter pounder with cheese mm-hmm. and dip the burger and the fries in the must the hot mustard. So you have Ooh. to try that. But how do you. You're so right about the sauces because I'm like. So every time I go to Taco Bell, I'm like, load me up with the hot sauce. Give me the hot sauce. I don't throw I don't, it in. McDonald's doesn't really have a lot of hot sauces because I usually order hot sauce with a breakfast sandwich. And I go with my parents. They're like, you know, again, they're they're quite frugal, but also they don't spend a lot. And, you know, if we go hiking with them at like six in the morning in Pacifica, you know, our weekend activities, we'll go to the McDonald's and my dad will treat me to an egg and cheese McMuffin. And, mm. you know, usually I'll ask for the hot sauce. You get this like lame, super mild salsa. Not great. You know, my trick is I'll leave different hot sauces. My favorite is Popeye's hot sauce. It's like the perfect mixture of vinegar and chilies. And I'll just stash a couple in the car and have it there for emergencies. But yeah. For McDonald's emergencies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, Taco Bell I really like because they have like this fire salsa. But still, nothing really kicks you in the ass as much as a Popeye's hot sauce. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of the Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What mood dictates where you go? Obviously, like taking out the regional factor, you know, not a road trip, not up and with your parents, like just you, Jamie, hanging out on day, deciding you're hungry, deciding you want to go out. Where do you go? And how do you decide that? I feel like now, you know, you know, trying to cook for myself and trying to be a little healthier, like a fast food restaurant is is kind of something that I would have on my cheat day. You know, like something that I would treat myself to. It just depends. If it's a Sunday and we know that Chick-fil-A is closed, then I'll go to Popeye's. 
Um, and by the way, the Popeye's uh, spicy chicken sandwich is way better than. I keep hearing. I yeah, got, there's a the Popeye's Chick-fil-A. that opened up just down the street. You're okay. This was what I needed to Popeyes, hear. But you know, the fries are better and you have like the spicy, extra spicy, like crispy chicken strips. Mm, so good. Mm, mm-hmm. So that's generally like, you know, maybe on a Sunday, mm-hmm. maybe if I'm a little hungover. Mm-hmm. When I get back into town, if I'm like out of town and I come back to California, the first place that I will hit up is In-N-Out. Uh-huh. You know, if I'm on a road trip, I feel like McDonald's are really accessible. There's a lot more Taco Bells and Burger Kings. So I'll kind of save those restaurants for, you know, road trips. Mm-hmm. If I'm like super busy at work and I'm kind of running around I'll just go whatever is closest to me. And I'm like, I know I shouldn't be doing this. It's in the middle of the week. I'm on this crazy health kick, but I need to eat something. So I'll just, you know, go to the nearest. Our producers are texting like a million times over. And it's because this is the subject that everyone is. We're all in love with this. So this is great. <laughs> and so I'm glad we're, I'm glad you're here and you have eaten everywhere to tell us I mean, this major question. Yes. One of the many that's, that we're about to ask that we're continuing to ask, who has the best French fry? Mmm, Burger King. Wow. I like Burger King. And in and out you know, they're fresh, but they're kind of boring. I like the, like, the type that you know are kind of pre-frozen. <laughs> I did not expect fr- a BK yeah. drop. Yeah. Yeah, Burger King. Not Shake Shack. Really what, what about the Wendy's fry dipped in the nacho cheese sauce that you can get on the side there? You know, Wendy's... <sighs> I used to fuck with Wendy's, but Wendy's is one that I don't. Wendy's and Arby's, I don't really fuck with. Mm. Mm-mm. Because you had bad, bad no, tummy not times because there. I have, no, I just don't like their. Um, no, I don't really like what they have to offer. I think I got like mm. chicken nuggets or like chicken fingers or something at Wendy's, and I was like, "What is this? What is this?" Yeah, yeah. you know, if you're okay. gonna if you're gonna cheat, you should cheat. Spice, spicy chicken nuggets at Wendy's, just FYI. Oh, okay. okay, I should try those. Their nuggets, terrible. Spicy chicken nuggets, great. Okay, great. Okay. Okay. Are they like the chicken fry ones? They like like, like look like skinny. Pen- hmm. Maybe I should give them another chance. All right. So do you ever, because there's the whole like sweet and salty thing mm. with fast food. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? And each place has their own offering, whether it's the blizzard or the frosty or the, you know, shake at Jack in the Box or the shamrock shake, which mm. is going to be coming around in March. Do you do both or do you ever just go for like the sultry? You know, foods? I think all of that is trying too hard. <laughs> I like things simple and classic. You get a vanilla swirl from McDonald's for 99 cents. You get a small fry and you just dip your fry in your cone and you enjoy. That's it's just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Like the Oreo, you know, my husband loves like, you know, when we're like, super like no fucks mood you know he'll get like the the mcdonald's swirl with oreos and m&ms and i just think it's too much no i just like a simple cone simple cone you know there, there's an investigation going on right now with mcdonald's why the flurry is never available oh. and there's some hypotheses i'll let everyone do their own googling but yes it's like a thing if you know in the last two years every time you go up and try to order it they're like it's not available it's out it's out it's out mm. I so. also hate that they got rid of like the chocolate swirl. And also remember they used to have the combination of the vanilla and the chocolate? Yes, swirl? you could do both. They got yeah. rid of that. Now it's just vanilla. Mm. Well, combos are an interesting thing. Road tripping and combos because you have those like Pizza Hut TCBY or the oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. the Taco Bell and, and also like Yogurt Land. Yeah. I think it's, what I you- think it's Taco Bell and um Pizza Hut generally are kind of Yeah, what do you think? I think it's the uh, yeah, it's Taco Bell Pizza Hut. I think it's yeah. Pizza Hut KFC. Are we okay with those? Do you do you I don't mind using your language? Do you fuck with those or do you? I do. Uh, I do. And this is why because sometimes when you're dri- when you're on a road trip and your your partner isn't feeling one thing, then it's kind of nice to be able to order order both and not make another stop because it's like okay, we do fast food and then we do gas station or electric charge. And bathroom break. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like another stop at another fast food restaurant. Like, that's just killing time. Mm-hmm. Overkill. So, it's, so mm-hmm. it's thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Big, thank you. Thank you for this combos. <laughs> yes. They say, some people say, that fast food fires off serotonin in your brain, you know, like a hug or like, you know, 
creates this like euphoric state because whenever you eat something particularly tasty and because I'm assuming fast food is not particularly nutritious, it makes you very, very happy. Do you agree with that hypothesis? Disagree? I do agree with that. And I do think it's also the instant gratification because you are able to get it so quickly, you know? And so I I do think that all of that kind of leans itself to, you know, the instant joy. And yeah, sure. I have regrets. Sometimes I, you know, I don't feel, I don't always feel great after eating it, but you know, it's just a little taste is is all you need. Well, what's so spe- what's so special about it is it sounds like you just also have so much wonderful familial, mm-hmm. you know, nostalgic ties. Like we all have nostalgia because we all got fast food as kids because that's America. But I love how you're still getting it with your father and that yeah. it's still a tradition almost for you guys. I don't know if it's a spoken tradition. It just sort of is like, sort of no, embedded in your family. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty fun. All right, I'm going to throw some things your way and just tell me if you were there, this is what you'd get. Okay. Taco Bell. Um, I usually do like two regular soft tacos, one crunchy taco supreme. I get a bunch of fire sauce and a Diet Pepsi. McDonald's. McDonald's, it depends. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, let's do a Big Mac and like we'll do like a, a meal or they have a really good spicy chicken sandwich there or... I know it. people are like, fish filet, but I just sometimes I want a fish filet. <laughs> and it's also, there for a reason. It's there for a reason. But also, I'm totally fine with a regular cheeseburger. Burger King. Burger King, I will usually do the Whopper Jr., but they don't have that available for Impossible, so I will only get the Impossible, Impossible Whopper, Diet Coke, and then these like jalapeno poppers that are deep fried with cheese. She's making faces. Shake Shack. I don't go to Shake Shack. Oh, that's a lie. There's one in Brooklyn that I've gone to. You know what? I don't like the potato bun. It's too soft. It's like all just one texture when you bite into it, and that kind of freaks me out. Del Taco. Mm, I don't really go to Del Taco, but if I have to, I usually get like the chicken quesadilla. KFC. KFC. Mm. I like the original... I like the original chicken and whether it's just like a leg combo with the biscuit, the coleslaw, macaroni and cheese, or, or I mean, they used to do macaroni salad, but they don't do that anymore. Oh, that was my favorite macaroni salad. Anyways, otherwise I'll just do like, like a chicken strip combo. And I like their extra spicy, like, you know, it's like a different, um, breading for the chicken. In and out. I'll just do the regular cheeseburger. I'll keep it the way it is, but I'll add hot peppers, raw onions, and pickles. Okay, so I express my love sometimes by cooking for those I love. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, and I've attempted like the Martha Stewart mac and cheese or the, you know, the whatever from this restaurant. Have you ever tried to recreate a fast food meal at home for your husband? No way. Like going going <laughs> no. on those blogs and they say, we found the way to make the special sauce from In-N-Out or the- No, because you can just get it at the In-N-Out. Like why waste your time trying to recreate something that's already perfect? Then what's your perfect date night? With the happiest food and your husband, what do you do? Where do you go? Do you take the food somewhere or do you eat in the restaurant? Oh, I mean, I wouldn't call that the perfect date night, you know? (laughs) I would say that that's like maybe a date night if we're on the road. But no, I think if we're both like really craving something, we'll have like a serious discussion as to where we want to (laughs) go. Like, where are these calories going to be used? Exactly. Like, this is very important. We don't do this often. No, exactly. Like, trying to be healthy. (laughs) What do you want? And I would, I would have to say it would be something that we both agree on because Brian doesn't like Taco Bell, nor does he like KFC, nor does he like mm. McDonald's. He likes Impossible Burgers uh, for Burger King. But I would say like the one thing that we're like, yes, is In-N-Out and Popeye's for the spicy chicken sandwich. Mm-hmm. Apparently In-N-Out did come out like in the big list, I think maybe in the Super Size Me time of like if you were to get – oh, no, no. This was a uh, – uh, What's his name? Pollen, Michael Pollan, the mm-hmm. guy who wrote wonderful food books. Uh, he basically found out all the dietary info of all the fast food places. And don't like, tell me. If you, if you were know. to do one, In-N-Out's the like best. Yeah, yeah, them. yeah. Yeah. So 
there you go. That yeah. feels a little a little less guilty yeah. when you're on the five freeway and you're grabbing a I know. Bottle. And you know, again, I grew up in San Francisco and back in the day when I was in high school, there was not an In-N-Out in the city. Now there's, you know, a bunch of them. But we would often, you know, if it was like a Friday night, we would, you know, smoke a little weed. And we would, <laughs> we mm -hmm. would drive down to the In-N-Out near Anderson Pea Soup. It's like off the five. Do you know where that is, David? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, so there was. I, I like the pea soup. Wife doesn't. I don't I know why. I love that pea soup, but that's pretty far from San Francisco. That is yes. a schlep. That is a drive. That is a road trip. But we would do it because we loved In and Out, and we we weren't able to have it wasn't easily accessible. So that was like the road trip location. So we've talked a lot about the big <laughs> franchises of fast food, but I I grew up in a very small town in oh, Ohio, yeah. and we had a lot of like little mom and pop fast food, like drive through, literally the garage. You know, I mean, not it wasn't a house; it was actually like a garage. It was called Delco drive through. You could get your alcohol, your cigarettes, your you know tobacco, and also some sub sandwiches, a pizza. <laughs> wow. So did you have anything like that growing up, or now? No, because in San Francisco, it was all the main fast food chain yeah. restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, there I was this. feel bad for you. Not yeah, having I know. <laughs> but, you know, there were kind of, you know, there were places where I wouldn't necessarily call it fast food, but they made it pretty quickly. You know, I would say it was it, the efficiency would be faster than a subway line or Chipotle. Yeah, a Chipotle line. It's faster than that. And it was like amazing Vietnamese sandwiches. Mm. Ooh. So good. And they were like dirt cheap. They were like $2.50. They were so, I think it's still around. It's somewhere in the Tenderloin in San Francisco, but it was just mm, so good. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So it sounds like a lot about the fast food enjoyment is just how fast it is for you. Yeah. Yeah, I like, guess the so. instant gratis gratification. It is instant. It is. Instant. It, is. Yeah. it is. Life is hard. There's enough challenges in the world. I know I can drive through this place and in like a couple of minutes, I get exactly what I want. I know the exact taste it's going to be. It's a guaranteed happy. I wish only more things could be like that in life. Uh, do you like the in and out lingo of like animal style? And I do, knowing knowing the lingo now. Secret um, stuff. But I had, you know, a, a girlfriend of mine that I went to college with. She's from Orange County. I think that's where in and out or maybe she grew up next to in and out But she knew all the things off the menu and she educated me on this secret menu. So is there a place that you have always wanted to try, maybe Dairy Queen, maybe White Castle, that you, or maybe I'm projecting <laughs> my love for those places. But is there a place that you've heard about that you've always wanted to try that you have Culver's. not yet had the chance? Yeah, no. You know, after watching Harold and Kumar, I was like, where, what is this White Castle? Where do I need to go? There was also Ohio. another, yes, there was also <laughs> another place called like, what is it, Wawa? It's like a sandwich There's burger. That's, that's more of a, Wawa is, this, is like a 7-Eleven on the East Coast. Yeah. I've been to a Wawa. I thought that was kind of cool. But my first time, and I think my only time at White Castle was after college when I was traveling a little bit. And I forgot which city we were in. I did have an ex-boyfriend who lived in Ohio, so maybe it was Ohio. It Maybe and, it could have been. Yeah. It probably was. <laughs> and we, we went to a White Castle, and I was like, why are there holes in this patty? I was yeah. like, I don't know. And again, it's this thing, this texture where, like, you take one bite, and it all just kind of feels like one same texture. <laughs> I don't like that. But isn't it so true that 
like you, we started this episode by talking about Taco Bell and your hometown and like opening the doors and the sand is everywhere. It's an experience. So for someone who grew up with White Castle, not me because I'm not a fan either, but eating that, that was part of their family lineage. Mm -hmm. That may be their like Taco Bell to Mm -hmm. your Taco Bell. Totally. You know, so much about the history you have with the food and the place and the memories, not to sound like a thousand years old, but you know, what's evoked in your memory from going into a McDonald's or going into, you know, definitely Jack in the Box is definitely night out partying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Speaking of what Claire's saying with memories, is there like a, I mean, you're kind of mentioning these wonderful moments about, you know, getting high or, you know, coming down from something or just like needing something greasy. Is there like a funny story that pops in your head or like a silly moment or just some memory that Maybe it's with a friend, a boyfriend, uh, your girlfriends, or just you saw something once at a at a fast food joint. Well, you've just been to so many that I'm. Up, yeah. I feel like you've, you've seen yeah. you've seen I so mean, much. You know, after we'd hang out and we watch movies, and there was this one Jack in the Box in the Richmond District of San Francisco. And I mean, it was the one place that was open 24 hours. So we would all like, come, like, all right, let's make them the Jack in the Crack, and we'll go and hang out in the parking lot. And eat our tacos and, you know, our spicy chicken sandwiches and we'll just, like, it'll be fun. But I remember, like, I remember, like, you would have to, like, walk up in order. You can't go through a drive-thru. So that kind of, like, forced you to park the car and then, you know, we'd all hang out and, and, you know, hang out, park our cars near each other. But I do recall, like, the the bulletproof glass at this (laughs) jack-in-the-box was so thick. (laughs) <laughs> and you would always have to like, you know, you'd close one door and then they're able to take your money and open the other door. And then they put like your food. Food. Yeah, no, then, then they would put your food in and then they would close their side and then that would trigger the, for you to open the other side. And they can never be open at the same time. And I think that Jack in the Box is still around, but. Yeah, for some reason, well, they, I yeah, they're that. still around because no one ever got into the no, they into never the went place. inside of the Jack in the Box. No, it's a safe, safe space. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a safe house. Did your um, did your husband yeah. love fast food, or did you have to like cultivate the relationship with the Whopper no, Junior and the spicy chicken sandwich and him? He's a health health nut, and if Ugh. anything, he totally blames me for you know the extra ten pounds that he's gained from my really bad eating (laughs) but no he's not you know he i remember we went through a fast food restaurant i think it was mcdonald's and he was like jesus i've never been to mcdonald's in so long and i'm like oh i just i just love their hamburgers and cheeseburgers and their diet for some reason their fountain drinks like their diet cokes the the diet cokes are the best it tastes so good there what is Mm -hmm. it i don't know confession Sometimes when I'm driving my boys home from like soccer practice, which is the most healthy thing they can be doing, we'll drive through McDonald's and I'll allow them to get like a one of the 99 cent cones and I'll get a, a fountain drink, a Diet Coke. It's so good. And I, I'm like, pour that ice in there. It tastes so good. It's so good. <laughs> and you can almost taste the wax on the inside of the cup. It's, it's so like, good. But I love it. Man, it's just like the perfect ratio of like carbonated drink and the syrup. It's just like, yes. Mm. So Do either of you watch Hacks on HBO Max? I did, yeah. Yeah, you got uh, Jean Smart. She's so wealthy. She's got her own like fountain in her house, in her kitchen. And she all she ever does is drink Diet Coke. We're going to get that for you, Claire. That's, I promise. I need it. Wait, I, I need like it. My... Yeah, we both need it. Jamie, <laughs> all right, you, you too, come Jamie. over and drink DC with me. Okay. But then you won't go, to, then you won't go out to the fast food as much. No, no go. we'll meet and drink it together. All right. A couple of hot questions that are burning inside. One is... If someone has never been to a fast food place in America, I, I don't know if that person exists, but if they haven't, where would you tell them to go first? Ooh, what state are they in? <laughs> a, a mind or location? I would say In-N-Out. That's hands down In-N-Out. I like it. And Popeyes. That would be number two. <laughs> okay. Now, mm. If you had the powers of Thanos, I could snap your fingers, but only one stays. Which is the one joint that stays for you for the rest of your days? Even Claire's looking at me like, how dare I ask well, this Well, I have question. an answer, but I'm going to let Jamie go first. You can answer it too, Claire. Okay. Oh, man. I guess I would say Burger King because they're the only ones doing the Impossible Burger. And that's Fat something- Burger. Fat Burger does it. Oh, really? 
Yeah. Ooh, fat mm-hmm. burger. I usually Del like Taco a turkey burger. Del Taco does the burgers. Beyond Meat tacos. I don't like Beyond. I don't like the it's taste a, of Beyond. It's a different taste. It's I like, taste, I like it tastes Impossible. Healthy. Yeah. Impossible tastes not healthy. No, Impossible so tastes Burger King. amazing. Yeah, it would be Burger King. For the fries and the Impossible Burger. Exactly. Boom. And also, like, you know, maybe it's a little better for global warming, you know, less, yeah. less beef. Less animal farts. Yeah. Uh, Claire? Well, I would say for pure, basing it purely on variety of menu would be Jack in the Box. Mm. You know, something, there is something for every <laughs> mood and flavor. You're right. There. Jack, Jack in yeah. the Box and, is a and tiny then diner. I feel like they, I do know that I, they don't, maybe they don't have the Impossible Burger yet, but they are getting more progressive with their, pretty much anywhere you can order a lettuce wrap nowadays, you know? And I feel like, People are getting the meat substitutions mm-hmm. rotating in a lot more frequently. So I would say Jack in the Box, and they'll add that into the menu soon. I hope so. <laughs> sooner the better. Yeah, sooner the better. Their jalapeno poppers also, except they use cheddar cheese in there. So good. Which is the difference yeah. between those. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Go ahead, David. Uh, okay. Before we go down this rabbit hole anymore. <laughs> yes. Jamie, you are a wonderful human being. Thank you for trying every fast food place known to man and having deep opinions on it. This makes us so happy. This is what this (laughs) podcast is about. We end every podcast with a love letter. Can you please just share with beginning it with uh, Dear Fast Food and share what it's meant to you and uh, sign it with your name, please. Audibly, if you don't mind. Dear Fast Food. Jamie here. I just want to say, (laughs) I just want to thank you so much for your abundance of locations, your affordable prices, because I do know that a lot of families, much like mine, needed your restaurants in order to feed their families. Thank you for being open late night and giving me lots of fond memories with my friends during high school and college, or, um, you're, you know, you're a vast variety of, of food items. Yeah. Thank you for your efforts in trying to go a little bit healthier with lettuce wrap options and, you know, meat alternative options. And, and thank you for working during this crazy pandemic. You know, I know it was one of those essential jobs and, and all your workers worked so hard and tirelessly to stay open. So thank you for that. And yeah, thanks for the memories. Love, Jamie. I love it. Thank you for a slow-cooked conversation about fast food, I Jamie Chung. know. Chan. You didn't think that we were going to talk about it for this long, but we did. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Have you tried the mini tacos at Jack in the Box? There's mini tacos? Yes. Okay. Can so we talk? Can we talk about where we're gonna go after this podcast? My <laughs> sister-in-law. Okay. My sister-in-law, who has since passed, she l- like lived on the two taco deal, but got them with um, lettuce only. So lettuce and meat only. No cheese. No. That cheese is what gave you that beautiful iridescent, like see-through, Greasy. yeah, like shell. <laughs> what are you talking about? I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, where? Yeah. So if if we all were going to go right now and meet each other, what mood are you in right now for? Well, now I really want to try this Jack in the Box mini tacos. Like, how is that even possible? They're good. All right, we'll see you there. Okay. Okay, David. You know what's so funny is. <laughs> When we talk about McDonald's, one of my earliest memories was attending a birthday party at a McDonald's when I was a young kid. And the game that the McDonald's had set up was where you stood. And as a young child, I dropped a coffee stirrer into a coffee cup and whoever could drop it into the coffee cup from, you know, however tall we were, three feet or three and a half feet the most times or most accurately would win the prize. Okay, so clearly children's parties have evolved since then. (laughs) Or devolved, depends. But I mean, this was what I, this was like the high times in Ohio, like go to McDonald's, have the party, play on the playground, drop your coffee stir in, and then get a slice of cake. So, so many fast food memories, including that one. What about you? I probably, my memories were, were just McDonald's chicken nuggets. I, they taste exactly the same as they always have. And I think that's the joy. I 
I'm realizing how much still I want to ask Jamie that we didn't even get to. I know, we need to have a part two. We really do need to have a legitimate part two. Yeah. We didn't talk about the play place with her. I totally related to the fish filet. Like, there's a Mm -hmm. reason. We didn't even touch the McRib. Why? We didn't even talk about how Starbucks, is that considered fast food? You can get something real fast at Starbucks. But it's pre-made, mostly. So, yeah, like, I would think (sighs) so. I can't believe it. There's know. so much. And we learned in just chatting with her after, by the way, because when we were done with our podcast, we chatted a little bit. That apparently, at In-N-Out, there is a doggy, a pup patty that you couldn't ask for, blowing our minds. And everybody knows the pup cup at Starbucks, but I did not know the pup patty. So I'm glad to know this. This was a wonderful conversation for my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There was so much nostalgia because we. It's amazing how much it's just a part of the fabric of our lives. Project like uh, my entire youth onto and my experience at NYU. You know where there was virtually no fast food in New York City at the time I was going to NYU. Except we did live my second year right near a McDonald's. That had the Carlisle Court. Any of my roomies, uh, my fighting Violet friends, know that Carlisle Court was just south of a McDonald's on Union Square. So that played in a lot well, there. North of Union Square and a little bit west, something very special happened a number of years ago. Claire, I believe you were Wendy at one point. Can you please regale <laughs> us with the story and that this is how special this is? I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely southwest of New York City because oh, is it Ohio? Oh, yes, but this is not a geography uh, podcast. Not a geography You're welcome, everyone. I clearly quiz. am not your host for that. Don't worry about it. You're okay. I won't make a Jeopardy joke at this time because it's just too depressing. What's happening there? But anyway, <laughs> I was Wendy because Wendy's. Corporate headquarters is in actually Dublin, Ohio, a suburb of Columbus. I am from Delaware, Ohio, which is about 25 minutes north of Dublin. And I did the looking for Wendy pageant and I won. And I did all the Wendy's commercials and public appearances and, you know, parades and everything, everything you can imagine with Dave Thomas for a, a year was my my reign of Wendy. And it was it was fabulous. It was the best year of your life. I thought I was very, very wealthy because my prize, in addition to being paid for each job, was a fifteen hundred dollar savings bond. That's that was the say a burger a day, but that's great too. No, it was yeah, no, I (laughs) (laughs) the savings bond. (laughs) That's what it was. And I remember like after I graduated NYU, I was like, I asked my family, I'm like, what about that savings bond? And I got it. I was like, wow, that was gone really fast. (laughs) That was not that great of a prize. (laughs) Speaking of gone fast, this podcast did because we had such a good time. Claire. We sped through the drive-thru, David. We did. See you guys next week. And coming up next week on Fanatics, the Dexter episodes, we have Katie Sullivan. You guys know her, of course. She is the, uh, you know, receptionist in the police station on Dexter New Blood. Also, Last Man Standing, my name is Earl, Nip Tuck, and she's done something better than all of you guys. She's a Paralympian. Mad respect for that. She's coming on Fanatics to talk about Ink Master. We will see you then. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's W-E-R-F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Kelsey Goldberg. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Jamie's loving it. Sandy Bookstaver, you love to eat at restaurant bars by yourself. When did you realize that this is a love that you have? <laughs> I mean, I've been a foodie since I was a little kid. Like, uh, I started cooking when I was very young, and I'm obsessed with Anthony Bourdain and Top Chef. And I want to go to every single restaurant that I can and try the chef tasting menu and eat food around the world. And and it started 
when I started directing out of town a lot. Um, cause when I, I moved to LA to direct in Los Angeles, but now I mostly direct out of Los Angeles and I'm in great cities like Chicago and New York. And, and when I'm filming by myself in a city like Chicago, I want to go try a great restaurant, but the easiest way to get into one of these incredible restaurants, there's always one seat at the bar. So you don't have to make a reservation three months in advance. Genius. So you walk in. Genius. <laughs> Always one seat. So any restaurant on the planet, if there's a bar, of course, you can get in. And what's cool about cities like Chicago and New York is people will talk to you. Like you'll sit next to random strangers and you'll actually sometimes share pre-COVID, you'll share food with them. Like you'll sit and order different food and, and, and chat about it and actually, hey, you want to taste a, take a bite of this or take a bite of that? So you get to meet all these interesting people. But there's this place in Chicago that I would go every single Friday night. I went once and I immediately became friends with the owner, this guy, Nate, and the restaurant's called Mott Street. And it became my place to go every single Friday night. And they always had a seat at the bar waiting for me. And every week I would go in there, eat food. And one night I ate with the entire Joffrey Ballet. I was sitting there. Uh, they asked me to stage behind the bar once when I have no idea how to make drinks, they're like, you've been here enough. Come make some cocktails. So they <laughs> brought me behind the bar and taught me how to make drinks for the people in the restaurant, which I, I think I fucked up half of them, but it was really fun. I mean, I've actually cleaned up the restaurant with them at night. And what? Yeah, I've, I've bust all the tables and put the seats on the bar and go out drinking with the staff after. And, uh, you know, I'll do that at a lot of restaurants once I become friends. <laughs> I love that. And I love that you've cracked the code, first of all, of getting in anywhere, whatever, whatever restaurant at whatever time. I love that. And and there's something very satisfying about just kind of like being on your own time, on your own schedule, on your own, you know, agenda. So this is def- you know what, Sandy, I think we're going to have to have you on for a full episode of Fanatics to talk about this in particular. I will 100% do that. Sweet. Love it. Thanks, Andy. Thank you, guys. <laughs> 